Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we are talking about Mistborn Secret History Parts 3, Spirit, and 4, Journey. I'm Data, and with me is... Joe. Jamie. And Dak. And in these parts, Kelsier meets up with uh, some strangers from a different planet and gets a little bit of advice, and then he takes a trip. And discovers uh, some stuff about being dead, or or half dead, or you know whatever whatever level of dead that Miracle Max is going to say that he would be at. So, hang on to something, everybody. The Sanderlanch is about to begin. Push the kinetics, a troubled spirit breaking through, a bit of debt to repay now. But don't you dread it. Okay, so yeah, what did you guys think of these? I guess it's like I'm just gonna say two parts. It's like seven chapters, but oh man, so many delicious knowledge nuggets that I consumed during the reading of these two parts. Trademark Joe. Yeah, knowledge, knowledge nuggets. I'm thinking about opening a restaurant. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, there was some cool stuff in here. I really liked when he met the out of towners. I'm gonna call them, and he happened upon them and with preservation's guidance and he, he figured out some cool stuff about how the shards work and you know some of our predictions came true there are 16 pieces and there was apparently an original god that burst or shattered was killed so that's uh sounds cool to get some um verification on some stuff i'd been hypothesizing and then also his discovery that he can make stuff in the real world into things that he can carry and use i also thought was a really cool idea that's not something i've seen in like in in like of course whatever mind cognitive realm we're in i don't know that i've seen a story that has that kind of thing but uh i mean maybe astral projection but that's different so like a spirit world thing so yeah, it was really kind of cool. Some of the things that uh, that we got to see or and that were played with in this in these two parts. I'm interested to know who these ocean dwelling people are. I assume that's what the whole ocean is in. Like water is inverted, and you walk on it in the spirit in the cognitive realms. Very confusing to me. So I, I don't know if I was completely understanding what was going on, but uh, yeah, these were really great parts. I'm looking forward to see what's next. Yeah, the inverted thing, and I don't know if it's ever actually been exactly explained. Maybe it has, and I'm not remembering. But the way it's always been in my mind is like, this is the cognitive realm, and it's kind of created by the way people think about things and the way that I, things think about themselves sometimes. And so it's like when you see a river or a lake, you're not thinking of it as a bunch of pieces of water. You're thinking of it as one object, like the lake is a thing. And that's why in the cognitive realm, it's like one solid thing that you can walk on. That's my theory, I think, anyway. Um, I would have to agree that, m- that my favorite parts 
like pretty much aligned with Joe's. I really enjoyed what Kelsey was doing, you know, having the fire and, and objects he's collected and and that idea of, you know, what the object thinks its purpose is and how it gets you. I thought that was really clever. I really, really enjoyed that. And, yeah, when he's actually able to interact with other people, whether they be in the cognitive realm or potentially touch people in in the physical realm as well, I, I really liked liked that. And the scene with, like, possibly Gemmel or someone as crazy as Gemmel with yeah. the, the muttering and, and, and being able to sort of interact that way as well, I thought that was really, really cool. I feel like there was a lot of talk about him journeying weeks and that he was tired but not really tired because he doesn't really get tired but he thinks he's tired so therefore he's tired Uh, (laughs) yeah it's it's okay we get it (laughs) just tell us where you're going (laughs) it's fine I think some parts of it I think just went on a little bit longer than they needed to but there's probably that that those three instances that I really enjoyed and and talking to preservation and those moments of of lucidity that preservation have are, are quite good as well and they're few and far between, but you know, and obviously we know he's he's getting unhealthier and unhealthier. I'm sort of wondering if this is this sort of happening in that year between the siege of Lutherdell and where we pick up at the start of the Hero of Ages, or if this is overlapping into the Hero of Ages. So I'm um, I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes, where we sort of pick up again with our characters that we know. Obviously, Kelsey has got a bit of his own journey, which I'm also really excited about. It's not just a sort of carbon copy of, oh, what was Kelsey doing at the time? It's nice to have something else in there. And, you know, his reaction to losing clubs and losing Doxin as well, it's nice that that was addressed at least. But, yeah, looking forward to seeing where we pick up with the crew and, and sort of when he first has the ability to be able to interact with them. Is that with Spook or is that with somebody else? Yeah, it'll be good to see where we go from here. Yeah, yeah, his, him re, re, finding out about his friends dying, that was really sad. And it, yeah. it, it, it gets like a fake out because it's like, oh, no, are, 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 are any of my friends in there? And Rosemary's like, no, 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 they died a while back, actually. They're, they were already. Uh, yeah, it's all right. Like he'd already missed his chance. They're already gone. That's sad. Or Kelsier, kind of, I guess. Or his friends who he got into that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that might be better. <laughs> Yeah, this was this was good stuff. This is a very different story to what we've had before. So there's a whole lot of okay, got to wrap my head around this now. This is all pretty interesting. Um, I agree. I think the bits of him walking dragged a little bit, but uh, on the whole, like anytime he was talking to someone and getting information, it was fascinating just because of how different this world was, cognitive realm to the physical one, and just like he's learning the rules and trying to set it all up. But he's still thinking like Kelsey was like, oh no, I'm gonna find these people. I'm gonna rob them. <laughs> um, so that's you know old habits die hard and what have you, but yeah no so that was cool. Um, I liked his conversation with Joe. What did you call them the the two people? Uh, the out of towners. Out of towners, yes, yep, cool. I like I like the chat with them. I like the chat with Ruin at the end as well, just because I mean chronologically this would be the first time someone's really spoken to Ruin in the narrative that we know, and like there's been no pretense about who he is. So yeah, it's just. Cool to see Kelsey actually addressing that. It's going, all right, this is the real problem. This is what I've got to deal with. I need to try and help Vin take this bastard down from beyond the grave. I'm like, all right, cool. Kelsey is on it. <laughs> yeah, it makes you wonder. It's like, man, what did he do? Other than we know the, we're pretty sure that was him talking to Spook and sending, getting him to send that message. But is that all he did? Or is there more? Yeah. 
And I'm sure there's more. It's like, no, it's just exactly what we already knew. Nothing else. Nothing new. <laughs> well, we, are, like, we already know that he's the one that stabbed Ellen. I mean, that's that was a big reveal. That's true. Yeah. yeah. As helpful as that was. Turns out it wasn't actually um, Marsh who ripped the earring out of Vin. It was Kelsia grabbing Marsh's hand and, oh, God, no, let's not go down that role. <laughs> that just takes all of Marsh's, like, character development or whatever from the last yeah, book out. Yeah, throws it, throws it out the window. Disregard, forget I said anything, nothing. <laughs> okay, I guess let's get into these. Oh, wait, that's, I'm about to start on part four. We don't want to start there. Part three, Spirit. We start out with, Kelsier really wanted something to drink. Isn't that what you do when you get out of prison? I, I don't know. I've never been in prison, so I'll take your word for it, Kelsier. I don't know about prison, but I know, uh, from the people I know who work in the mines, like once you get out of the mine after a hard day's work, you definitely want to go to the bar. And technically, the pits of Hassan were a mine, so. It's true. Yep. Probably Kelsey's the... going to rock up in his high beams with all the other tradie friends and you know, <laughs> share stories around a fire at the end of the day. Sounds quite, quite oh. nice, doesn't it, compared to what he's used to? <laughs> so, yeah, Kelsier just pops out. He, he, he finds his way out of the basement into the Lord Ruler's palace. He's just... He walks down, he walks along like touching things so you can figure out what they are. A vase, a carpet, a door. And then he goes out on the street and it's like, hey, I'm free. A free if dead man. He wants to find his friends. It says he lost track of Vin and Ellen in the excitement at leaving the caverns. So he was so excited he ran off and then he's like, wait, we're oh I should have followed them, I guess. Oh. <laughs> I'm I'm free. Uh, oh, where are my friends? Oh. <laughs> they didn't follow me? Jeez, how rude. <laughs> Finds them at Keep Venture. I wonder how long it was before he thought that maybe that's where they went. It probably he he was probably hoping that was not the kind of place they were at. But he doesn't <laughs> you know he does know Ellen is king, so you know. And they're holding a funeral. This is Ellen was nowhere to be seen, but he did find Vin. So maybe Ellen's recovering still from that stab. Well, he's he's like, found Peter, and that's how he survived. He's probably fine somewhere. He might just be overseeing admin duty somewhere. That's true. But I mean, even when like Vin got that bad injury and she was burning pewter, she was in bed for like a few days. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I like Kelsey's like, is that Damu leading the funeral service? That's weird. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be very ironic if he never finds out about the Church of the Survivor. <laughs> that would be funny. I like that. Also, I like that Kelsier, he, he sits down and has to, tries to have like kind of a pep talk with Vin, even though she can't hear him. He's like, so that went well, right? I mean... Sure, we we ended up releasing a world-ending force of destruction and chaos, but the Lord Ruler is dead, so that's good. And your boyfriend's still alive. So. Husband, yeah, he doesn't know that. Yeah, one up for the good guys. <laughs> Don't worry about the scar on his stomach. It'll make him look more rugged. Miss Snow, the little book worker, could use some toughening up. That's... I would oh, yeah. love to have seen Vin's reaction if it turned out she actually could hear him and was ignoring him. <laughs> and then all of a sudden she's like, are you right? <laughs> like, leave me alone. Could you fuck off? Yeah. I don't know. On some level, Vin might be like, well, maybe a little, but shut up. That's my husband. Yeah. Although Ellen's already kind of toughened up a little by this point. Kelsier wouldn't know it, but he's, you know, learning to use the sword and he's become kind of a good kingly type dude. He's emperor so, now. So, yeah, he he was he was watching parts of the second book from down in the well. He was riding the pulses. He should be able to see shit like that. Come on, Kelsius, keep up. <laughs> he didn't read the epigraphs. No, yeah, he, he he didn't get that part. I mean, I think his main problem is he wouldn't be interested in Ellen, so he, that's probably why he doesn't know about it. I wasn't trying to like find him in those in the whatever the spider tendrils. 
Well, also, the pulses were leading towards, like, places that Ruin was influencing, so if Vin wasn't there, he probably couldn't see Elland. Yeah, good point. And I was like, he's like, Vin, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna take care of this. You you leave this to me. We're gonna beat this thing. And Preservation's all of a sudden just there. He's like, well, how are you gonna do that, huh? Barely even in human shape any longer. More a dissolved bunch of waving threads of frayed smoke, giving the vague impression of heads, arm, head, arms, and legs. Not heads, that'd be weird. <laughs> And Kelsey's just like, no, we're going to stop him. And Preservation's like, but he's a force of entropy, a universal constant. You can't stop that. And then Kelsey's like, yeah, come on. You had a plan, right? Preservation's like, oh, yeah, yeah, a plan. I had one of those things. Kelsey says, I'm free. And Preservation's like, well, you've really just entered a bigger prison. I don't know if that's completely fair. I mean, I guess you could say that Earth was a big prison for us. We can't leave for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, you know, he's he's talking semantics at this point. But, I mean, maybe yeah. to him, since he remembers not being on this planet before, mm. he's like, well, you're still bound here. Yeah, it's just a matter of perspective that preservation has lost. Yeah, well, and, you know, we're now discovering that there are these out-of-towners that can apparently go from planet to planet. So maybe to preservation, that, like, being stuck on Skadrial really is more binding than other creatures because mm. like these other humanoids can go back and forth then and yeah. he can't then that is you know different yeah that's true also we find out that uh ruins like oh by the way or i'm sorry preservation's like by the way ruins up there and kelsey looks up and there's just like this blackness hanging over everything it's not quite the eye of sauron but it's something like an ocean of snakes obscuring the tiny sun so that's a nice picture. And Preservation's like, I think he finds you amusing. The soul of Addy is still in there somewhere. Would laugh at this. And he's like, wait, he has a soul? Well, and Kelsier makes an interesting point where he's like, hey, if he's alive, he can be killed. Like, you know, you. And Preservation's like, dude, look, I'm a god. You're a poor dead shadow waiting to expire. So maybe you should listen to me. Also, I like how he's kind of salty about uh, the church of the survivor like listen to them doesn't embarrass you how they talk the survivor i preserved them for millennia what have you done for them someone's a little jealous <laughs> well that's what happens when you create a rule for ten thousand oh, for a thousand years who demands worship of himself yeah. and not where you where he got his powers from exactly nobody even knows who you are except for the chondra <laughs> but of course kelsier can't even hear it so he's just like what okay and that's when he starts to look to see if any of his friends have died. And uh, Preservation says, this, he says, how many of these were, my, were friends of mine? And Preservation says, some. And he's like, but what about the crew? And he says, no. And Kelsier sighs in relief. And he's like, no, no. They died during the initial break-in days ago. Docks and clubs. And he's like, oh, not docks. I know, right? Uh, and then to, as if to, like, rub it in, he's like, uh, He's like, he blamed you for this, by the way. He died cursing you, Kelsey. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't have to say that part. I mean, I'm just saying. He's still a bit bitter about Kelsey <laughs> having a whole religion about him. <laughs> like, you know what? I'm just going to keep poking you where it hurts. I'm sorry, Docs and Clubs. I'm sorry for failing you. He stood up and turned to preservation, and the god shockingly cringed as if frightened. Maybe he thought he was going to get punched again. But it says he feels preservation's pain when he grabs him. Like what Doc, like what Kelsier felt at Doxon's death, only magnified thousands of times over. He feels every death. That's sad. 
And there's an interesting note here where he's like kind of sensing where all these all these deaths, all these, there's Kolos rampaging and the world is dying. And he's like, and to the south was that? What was that? People? Hmm. And Kelsey is just like, hey, we're, we're going to do this, man. Me and you. And Fraser is like, no, you can't be stopped. The deal is like, no, deals can be broken. He's like, no, there's no way to get out of this. He's like, well, fine. Then we're going to go out kicking and screaming. You and me, we're a team. And that seems to encourage preservation, which that's just sad. Like, Kelsier's having to give the pep talk to God. Like, preservation's like, everyone always did say you were insane. And Kelsier's like, and I always acknowledge that they had a point. Preservation always also name dropped someone here. It's like, oh, Senna. Senna. Is that one of the other shards we learn about? Or is that just an old girlfriend or uh, (laughs) an old girlfriend? (laughs) <laughs> it's a fair question yeah maybe you just forgot kelsey's name and just started calling <laughs> you, you remind me of someone i used to love and maybe it was uh, his dog oh yeah see everyone loves their oh. dog. i feel like you know if he was a god maybe he would have recreated his dog but preservation is like i can't help you whatever it is you think you're doing i can't help you directly i don't think well enough anymore but i can sh- Show, I, I know where you can. I know where you'll find someone who can. And so he sends out like this little thread of preservation energy leading Kelsier somewhere. Kelsier would not back down. He would not let Ruin intimidate him. He'd already killed one god, and the second murder was always easier than the first. Well, that's good to know. That's a family friendly lesson. <laughs> Somehow I, I have my doubts that this one will be easier than the last one. Although he had to die <laughs> for the last one, so maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like James Bond says. The second one's always easier. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kel- Kelsey will kill this guy, and then the music will kick in. It's like... It's like the the gun barrel sequence from the Bond movies, except instead of a gun, it's Kelsey throwing a coin. A coin, yeah, that'd be, that'd be badass. <laughs> he gets his double O status. Yeah. <laughs> if they ever do a... If they ever do a uh, Mistborn animated series i think we got we got some good ideas <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i like we find out a little about lake luthadel which is kind of what he's heading towards where it's like that's not a swimming kind of lake unless you fancy bathing in soupy sludge that was more ash than water <laughs> so that's nice well it just gets worse yeah do we know is there like a water temple in the lake that'd be <laughs> <good>. <laughs> Like Dark Kelsey are hiding in it. This is where we find out yeah. about the kind of inversion where the lake is solid and the uh, the land is kind of not. Which, when you look back, kind of explains what was going on with the Drifter when uh, he shows up on his corpse boat because the land is not solid for, like, normal people. Kelsier's dead, and he's a spirit kind of dude, so I guess he can walk on the land, but I don't think normal people could manage it, which is why someone needed a dead guy boat. Honestly, I thought this was a whole gag about the fact that Kelsey sort of became a Jesus allegory and now he's walking on water. <laughs> that, that is weirdly <sighs> appropriate. <laughs> so, yeah, pre- preservation's only explanation is that it congeals here. It has to do with the way men think and where they are likely to pass. Somewhat to do with that, at least. Yeah, I feel like the word congeal for this is just like a weird word. Agreed. I think the idea is that, like, everything else is made of this misty stuff. Then here it's, like, more solid. So it's kind of like the misty stuff has congealed in a way. So it's kinda, it kind of fits, but it's weird. You could have used another word. <laughs> <laughs> 
but there's like actual plants growing in this area not like spirits of plants or something but legit plants growing on this side weird ones but he's like how do they grow here like how what waters them and he can't talk to fuzz anymore it's kind of preservation's either gone or incapable of replying by the time he gets onto the lake he's taking a potty break you know (laughs) and i like he's like you know preservation said that whatever's over here would help but i don't know how much i can trust what preservation says odd that living through his own death would make him more hesitant to trust in god's word uh yeah when you die and you meet god and it turns out that he's losing his mind uh that's kind of a that's a bummer but he finds a couple of people a man wearing ska clothing tending a small fire and a woman with very dark skin and braided hair uh in a sturdy brown dress with a girdle he's like i could definitely handle two right uh, i did get the crap beat out of me by that drifter but come on these guys can't be that bad and I do love his approach of just strolling in and being like, man, this has been a weird few days. I can tell you. Bold. 10,000 years give you such a crick in the <laughs> neck. <laughs> I've been stuck in a well so long, you wouldn't even believe. <laughs> I met a sexy drifter guy. <laughs> oh, I uh, forgot he was a sexy drifter. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> sexy, sexy drifter. <laughs> These out-of-towners are not sexy, apparently, but the drifter was. <laughs> I mean, the lady's probably sexy, but yeah, the the drifter's the sexiest by far. (laughs) So dude jumps up and like grabs his knife and it says that the woman reaches down and pulls out a little tube with a handle at the bottom that she points toward him, treating it like a weapon. That's a gun, right? Yeah, I was about to say, it seems like a gun. In case it was unclear, that is a gun. Uh, Kelsier's like, so anybody else bothered by the voracious force of destruction up there? And the guy recognizes him. And it's like, it's you. You're you're dead. It's like, well, yeah, depending on your definition of dead. But he's more into Kelsier's like, how are you making a fire? Like, how does that even work? And I just love the dude is like, how, how, what, when? And Kelsier's like, why? Yes, why? <laughs> just, <laughs> every conversation with Kelsier is just fun in, in, in secret history, I feel like. I have a very delicate constitution, you see, and death seemed like it would be rather bad for the digestion, so I decided not to participate. And the guy is offended by this. Uh, One doesn't merely decide to become a shadow. It's an important right with requirements and traditions. And This this is a bother. (laughs) Every time I hear bother, I just think of Winnie the Pooh going, oh, bother. Oh, bother. This guy's angry Winnie now. Yep. (laughs) Oh, bother. I'm stuck in Rabbit's Hole again. <laughs> Poor Naz. He's going to be winning the book. <laughs> He's got his jar of honey. And the woman just seems kind of amused. It says she's perhaps in her mid-30s, and she's like, the survivor of Hathson. And I, Kelsier's like, yeah, I mean, you have me a disadvantage. I'm, I'm famous. What can I say? <laughs> and she's like, I assume there's lots of disadvantages to fame for a thief. One doesn't particularly wish to be recognized while trying to lift pocketbooks, which is probably true in most cases. And then uh, the, the guy's like, well, considering how much people love him around here, they'd probably be delighted to find him robbing them. So, I mean, the religion has v- developed in the year since his death, but he's been in the well the entire time. So he has no idea what they're talking about, probably. Kelsier's like, yeah, they, they practically lined up. And she says her name is Chris of Taldane. That's a planet, by the way. And this is Naz, a man in my employ. So 
Chris is actually the person who wrote the essays and the uh, and the Ars Arcanums for the books. Oh. So, oh, well, there you go. She is a scholar of sorts. And Naz, as we progress, he is responsible for a lot of the illustrations in the books. You'll see them signed uh, with his name a lot of times. Some of the maps, not all the maps, but some of the other illustrations that come up. Including that one in front of God, whatever the other oh. story were the 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 and Gemmel picture. I don't think so. I think I don't I I don't know that any of the secret history. I'm sorry. That any any of the Arcanum Unbounded uh, sketches are actually assigned as having come from an in-universe character. Because okay. at the beginning of at the beginning of this story, if you go back and look, there's the very first before the story actually starts is Kelsier walking into this clearing and meeting these two. You can even yeah. Uh, at, right after the title page of the story, there's a picture of uh, him walking the clearing and finding these guys around a fire. You can see her holding the gun on him. Uh. Anyway. Yeah, I must I must have missed that because I'm just like, oh, skip all these pages, otherwise I'll get spoilers. But yeah, so uh, oh, and actually, I guess that's ruin at the top of this picture too. It's just, it, it looks like spaghetti hanging down from the ceilings. It's weird. Anyway, uh, yeah. But yeah, next time we read a, an essay or you look at the end of the book, you will know who wrote those. And uh, Kelsey's just like, okay, great. So do you know why Preservation would send me here to talk to you? And Naz is like, wait, you, you spoke directly with one of the shards. He's like, yeah, sure. Fuzz and I go way back. I still love that nickname. Yeah, that's it's it's just giving God a nickname is uh, about the, it's a Kelsey sort of thing. But it's, it's, the level it's of so applicable. <laughs> oh, yeah. He respects no one. <laughs> and Naza says, I don't like this, Chris. He's dangerous. And she goes, fortunately, so are we. So the shard preservation, how does he look? And Kelsey's like, well, is this a test or do you actually want to know what he's like? And she says both. And he says he's dying as he spins Naz's knife in his fingers. So he picked his pocket kind of during uh, their short altercation. And it takes Naz a second of watching him. do. Hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> oh, bother. And, yeah, oh bother! Exactly. This is Winnie the Pooh. He's like, that's that's my honey. <laughs> and Chris takes note of this. So unraveling a slow death. Addy does not know how to splinter another shard, or he hasn't the strength. Hmm. And apparently, Kelsier has not understood who Addy was before this, because he's like, who's that? Like, Preservation said that same name. And Chris is like, um, him up there in the sky. Which I don't think Preservation was exactly subtle about who Addy was. I'm pretty sure he no. mentioned like it was a. Addy's soul was in the dark, was hidden in the darkness somewhere, so... Yeah, you know, Kelsier, he's not a good listener. Kelsier may be, just be used to not understanding half the shit that Preservation says, so he's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, fair point. And he asks what a shard is, and she says, are you a scholar, Mr. Survivor? And he goes, no, but I've killed a few. <laughs> and she's like, cute. And they're both just like, look, this is bigger than you could possibly understand, so you should just back out. And I, I, I love her line of, your questions are dangerous. Once you step behind the curtain and see the actors as the people they are, it becomes harder to pretend the play is real. And he's just like, look, I woke up after dying, deep down expecting there not to be an afterlife. Then I found out that God was real, but that he was also dying. I would really like some answers. And she's like, I've heard many stories of you, Survivor. They often lodge your admirable qualities. Sincerity is never one of those. Which, yeah, no, I believe that too. Although it seems like the kind of thing in the Church of the Survivor would be like, oh, he was so sincere. Sure, why not? He's everything good. He's Kelsier. He's like, I can steal something else from your manservant if it would make you more comfortable. 
And so we, she starts to explain the shards are not God, but they are pieces of God. Ruin, preservation, autonomy, cultivation, devotion. There are 16 of them. And I'm going to pause here to read a very short email that we received from Sasha, where she quotes Joe saying, so let's call it a shard Ooh. and say there's 16 of them. And then she says, Joe, what did I tell you about using Adium? <laughs> yeah, you know. They kept talking about 16. I I just made the sliver shard connection myself. I mean, I, I didn't know they were going to call them shards, honestly. So that just worked in my favor. But they kept talking about 16 and how important it was. So I just kind of guessed. Uh, and so, yes, all, all these, these other shards are off on different planets. So you may have guessed that as we progress through reading other stories in the Cosmere on other planets, uh, they will involve some of the other shards. And Kelsier's like, wait, there's other planets? And Nas is like, you've already broken him, Chris. Like, it's stupid. There are dozens of other planets, many inhabited by people much like you or me. There's a rig- an original shrouded and hidden somewhere in the Cosmere. I've yet to find it, but I have heard stories. Ooh, so that'll be like the overall point of the Cosmere stories, to get to the central, the Coruscant planet. Maybe. Uh, there was a god, Adonalsium. That There's a name we've heard once before. Yes. I don't know if it yeah, was a quite a name. or a being. This is quite a name, yeah. Is Six that the one that they left a letter out or something? Yes, that's exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so not important at all, really. No, no. <laughs> Just the, the, the god who created the universe or whatever. What? Not, not really. You don't need to spell his name right. It's fine. <laughs> he's probably got bigger things to worry about. Well, he's dead now, so, you know. Sixteen people together killed at an Alcium, ripping it apart and dividing its essence between them, and they became the first who ascended. So, yep, we some some people got together, ripped God into sixteen pieces, and took each of the pieces for themselves and became minor deities. I say minor, but we know that we're pretty sure like ruin and preservation created this planet and human life. So that's not super minor, power-wise. I mean, you think about how minor they are. You put all 16 into one being. That's a lot of power. He asked, who were these people? And she says, a diverse group with equally diverse motives. Some wish for power. Others saw killing Adonalsium as the only good option left to them. Uh, The Sinister 16. (laughs) (laughs) And he... Or the Freak freak Angels, if you want to go on a deep dive. Mm. Brandon has said that he was going to write... Maybe a trilogy, maybe more than that, called Dragon Steel at some point, which is actually going to tell the story of these people. And uh, it'll be the earliest thing because it'll tell the story of all these people and the shattering and what led to it and so on. Wait, what, what is it going to be called? Dragon Steel. Okay, so is uh, was Adonalsium a mythical space dragon? That'd be cool. <laughs> That'd be sick. It's well, the space yes, dragon! I, I really like mythical space dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, let's just say there are other uh, species of sentient creatures beyond just humans in this universe. So, well, uh, we've already got the Candra, so. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, giant space dragon. I got it already. <laughs> see, yeah. let's remember this conversation when, you know, in like 200 episodes time, mm-hmm. got another Predigments episode. <laughs> this will be on yeah. there. That's my prediction. Yeah. You're predicting that my predigment of a space dragon is, right. is correct. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, we're going to cross over into Marvel and we're going to get Fin Fang Foom. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> He's going to wear purple underpants! Oh, yeah, I forgot about the underpants. 
<laughs> also, not all of the 16 who took pieces, who took shards, uh, were human. I think there's at least three species involved. We were told by uh, the hero in the epigraphs that Addie and uh, the other were originally human, but that, mm. is, not all, that is not all of them. So. I like how you're saying the hero. It, it was sazed. We know it was sazed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we've covered that. Don't say she again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and it's funny because I accidentally said she when we were talking about the essay, and you're like, don't bring this he-she stuff into it again. I just accidentally said she because Chris is a she, yep, and I knew that, that you, she was the yeah. one who wrote it. Well, there you go. And you were like, I'm not listening to your bullshit. This is her Ariane again. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, goodness. Anyway. I mean, and this, this, so this whole conversation about, oh, yeah, these 16 people teamed up, murdered God, took his power, and it raises a whole bunch of questions for me, like, Number one, really? like if the other, sh- if the other, sh- <laughs> yes, shut up. <laughs> Num- number one, if like Sazed rocks up to the next shard meeting and he's got two powers, the other's just like, what the fuck? Who's this poser? Right. Why has he got two instead of one? And he's just like, yeah, get out of my way. And the other one I really had is like, all right, so if there's 16 of these people, Preservation wants to create a planet and create people on it. Why out of all of them does he team up with Ruin, who's like, uh, granted, we know nothing about the others, but Ruin's kind of a dick. Why not team up with someone who actually shares your goals? Yeah, that's a really good question. Maybe it's all about the balance. They need to have sort of the opposites to keep things in balance. There's like, yeah, that would make sense. Like, who cares about balance? Come on, cultivation. Let's go do some things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but if you were preserving and cultivating, you couldn't. I don't know that it'd be possible to create humans. Yeah. And I guess that's really what, for whatever reason, that's really what preservation wanted was to create humanity. It, it really, you really start down a rabbit hole of like, what are the other ones? And maybe one of them would have been a better fit. And maybe, maybe like, you know, preservation and Addy were just friends back in the day. And so they decided to go hang out together once they became gods. Who knows? Well, maybe he just drew the short straw. You know, everyone was dividing themselves up. He got picked last. No one wanted him on his team, and preservation's gone. Oh, fine. You know, maybe, maybe that's just how it ended up. Or, or preservation wasn't there that day, and they all went, oh, oh, yeah, okay, ruined. You, you, you guys team up. That's fine. Yeah, and when he got to class, they're like, that's your, your, uh, your project, your project uh, partner is ruined. He's like, oh, I'm gonna do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> this group assignment's gonna suck yeah why do they do group assignments for intro courses these students don't care they just want a grade <laughs> now, i'm thinking about like it's actually a class and preservation comes in, he's like i want to get paired up with one of the smart shards like what would be a smart word like like genius or intelligence or you know whatever the word would be that applies yeah he's like cultivation i thought we were buddies cultivation's like mm, i don't know about you man <laughs> minor deities 101 here's how you make planets and life <laughs> and rose just like cut to the chase when do we blow it up <laughs> yeah exactly yeah He's that kid it's it's uh <laughs> it's taught by the ghost of adenalsium so it's a giant ghost space dragon <laughs> it's just really bitter because like oh i'm teaching the people who killed me what the fuck yeah it's like uh well, i don't have anything else to do <laughs> And Kelsier is a little bit offended. He's like, wait, so everything I know is created by, like, a pair of half-gods? And Naz is like, more like fractional gods, and ones with no particular qualifications for deityhood, other than being conniving enough to murder the guy who had the job before? 
Sure. Or you never sure. go out of the teacher before the grades are given out. No, yeah, it's a good, <laughs> bad idea. You Unless drank, you know you're going to get a bad grade, I guess. You drank our emperor. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that's how you become emperor, exactly. Uh, and Kelsier's like, no wonder we're so messed up. And Chris is like, oh, no, actually, everybody's pretty much like that. <laughs> Don't feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> so Kelsier's like, wait, so that thing up there used to be human? And Chris says, the power distorts. There's a person in there somewhere directing it or maybe just riding it at this point. Yep. Riding on the, you know, he's, he's, Addy has climbed aboard the murder train <laughs> and uh, he's ready to murder. Murder! And Kelsey's like, so what happens if one dies? And Chris is like, I'm actually very curious. I've never gotten to see it in person. The past deaths were different. So this is not the first, preservation is not the first one to die. Maybe the power has been picked up by other people. So when Sage shows up to the, the, the dinner meeting or uh, the book club, whatever these gods have going on, maybe he won't be the only new guy. There's only going to be one of the original ones left. And he's just like, oh, fuck, all my friends are dead. <laughs> I'm surrounded by these assholes. You kids don't know. You weren't there when we killed God. You got no idea. Let me tell you about when we killed God. <laughs> yeah. And then it becomes a like uh, it becomes like a fight between all sixteen of the ones that are left because people are jealous of Sazed having two powers. So they're like, oh man, <laughs> we should just kill each other, and then one person will get all the powers and become the well, new be... space dragon. There can't be more than fifteen now because. Uh, Sazed has there were 16 and Sazed is, is, has combined two of them into that's one, true so, so there'll be only yeah. 15 there'll be one seat empty at the uh, book club if that because what she says is that like the previous events the god's power was shattered and dispersed so they may not even exist anymore based on that or we know that the powers can exist outside of like a body it's true so they could just be out there in the cosmos doing stuff at yeah. least this explains the whole body issue that we were having earlier. We're like, where do these people bodies come from that drop out of nowhere? It's like, it, well, there was a bit of time bef- between preservation dying and um, Vin inheriting his power. So it's like it's someone true. else could just come can come along later and just take it. Yep. One step closer to dragonhood. Well, and we saw like the powers kind of drop to the ground after Vin and uh, Ruin die. It's like two glowy crystal things that says to picks up. So. Yeah. Maybe they could have just sat there all day and if nobody touched him. Who knows? And Kelsey's just like, well, I'm going to stop him. And she just smiles. He's like, don't be patronizing. And I like that she's just like, look, this world is done. It's a shame, but I don't know of any way to save it. I came hoping I might be able to help, but I can't even reach the physical realm here any longer. And Naz pops in like, yeah, someone destroyed the gateway. Someone incredibly foolhardy, brash, stupid. <laughs> and Kelsey's like, yeah, yeah, what the drifter told me, okay? <laughs> Where you been? Yeah, I already know that was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the sexy guy told me. It's fine. And she's like, wait, the who? He's like, fellow with white hair, lanky, sharp nose. Damn, did he get to the Well of Ascension? Yeah, stole something, bit of metal. Damn, we gotta go. Okay. So it sounds like she may have been looking for the drifter. Or whatever he took, maybe. Who knows? She's like, we were leaving anyway. This planet is dying. And as much as I want to witness a shard <laughs> death, I don't want to be up close to it. So... Yeah, that seems wise. He's like, come on, preservation led me here. You have to be able to tell me something that can help. And she's like, I don't know. Sorry. I mean, if if only the Irie would answer my questions, maybe. Well, it'll probably be months, but Ruin's going to destroy this world. And the man once known as Addy won't be able to stop it if he even cared to. 
and he's he's like, please help me st- stay. And she's like, I help you? I can't even help myself. I'm in exile, and even if I weren't, I don't have the resources to stop a shard. And I like Kelsier's thinking to himself, like, this is what you deserve. You wish to dance with the divine, steal from gods. Should you now be surprised that you found yourself in over your head? That's a fair point. But I like that Naz comes back and he's like, hey, it's, it's a bad state you guys are in. I kind of like this place. Damnable mists and all. They're set up out there. And he's like, the, the Irie. They've been at this far longer than we have. If someone will know how to help you, it will be the Irie. Look for them where the land becomes solid again. Lake Tyrion? No, no, no. Way further than that. The ocean? That's miles, and mi- that's past Farmost. That's the name of a dominance, in case you guys had forgotten the Farmost dominance. Yeah. Really thinking outside the box with the name there. Right. <laughs> and like Kelsier's like, is there hope? And the guy's like, if I told you no, would it make a difference? He's like, no. And he gives, Naz gives him his knife, and it's like, take care of that. I'm fond of it. So, yeah, this kind of... Nas was kind of rude the whole time, but at the end, he's he's kind of a, a, a cool guy. And I just like the chapter ending with, so uh, there was only one thing left to do. He ate the bolt from the bottom of the stool. <laughs> Which makes perfect sense. There's only one rational thing left to do or something. <laughs> I was like, rational Kelsey, I ate the bolt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good try. Yeah, I mean, it makes total sense. He's a Mistborn. It's metal. But it's just, it, you're like, it just sounds so weird. <laughs> I mean, except that he's so, dead now and doesn't really have a body yep. proper. <laughs> no power. Somet- sometimes you eat the bolt. Well, <laughs> sometimes it eats you. <laughs> Sounds like a terrible chair. And so apparently Kelsey did a lot of traveling with Gemmel, but the ocean is farther than he'd ever been even then. It would take months to walk that far. And then he calls out and says, hey, Fuzz, are you there? And Preservation's like, well, I'm everywhere. And he says, so were you listening? And Preservation's like, I think. Surely I was. <sighs> and he's like, so they talked about the IRE? And Preservation's like, yeah, the three letters, I-R-E. It means something in their language, these people from another land. The ones who died but did not. Dead but alive, like me? No. Then what? Died but did not. How helpful. But apparently they've built a city out there. And so Custer's like, okay, well, that's where I'm going. And it's kind of sad. He's like, what, you're leaving me? Don't leave me. It's like, you're everywhere. How can I leave you? He's like, no, they're past me. I cannot depart this land. I'm too invested in it, in every rock and leaf. We grow attached easily. He created this planet and invested his energy in it. So I guess that's kind of stuck him to it. But if Ruin destroys everything, he'll be able to leave. He's like, Kelsey, don't abandon me. We're a team, right? Preservation has just always really wanted a friend. Oh, yeah. Because Ruin was a bad friend. Bad. <laughs> and then he's like, wait, you pity me. And he's like, I pity everyone who's not me, Fuzz. A hazard of being the man I am. And that kind of offends preservation. So he reaches out and grabs Kelsier and, like, gives him, like, a soul gaze sort of thing. And kind of breaks his Kelsier's brain a little bit. Sure. He grabs him, says, embrace eternity. And then he sees all these visions. So... He sees, yeah, some stuff that I'm not even going to mess with because it's just too much. It's like over sensory overload. And Kelsey's like, I guess I deserve that. Um, reality isn't particularly healthy for a man's ego. And then Kelsey realizes, he's like, wait a second. I think I might have seen something useful in there. Send me back. And Kelsey's like, wait, or Preservation's like, wait, what? Oh, send me back. I need to do that again. 
your mind is too fragile. It will break. I broke the damn thing years ago. Just do it. <laughs> yeah, I like how he did it to punish Kelsier. And then Kelsier's like, ooh, that was kind of helpful. Do that again. More, please. Oh, no, he's a vision junkie. <laughs> Uh, and so in the second time, he's like, there's a second god here, black and terrible, the thing with spines and spidery legs. Ugh. But he starts to see, like, is in this place, in in the, what he's seeing, which I believe he's seeing into the spiritual spiritual realm is what's happening here. But time is not exactly relevant there. So he can see the possibilities of the future. And And basically, he pulls a Doctor Strange here. Where he's like, I saw thousands upon thousands of possibilities, and I can't beat the thing. I can't beat Ruin in any of them. I can't stop it. I'm too like it. Everything I do serves it. I can't stop it, but she can. And Preservation's like, no, it's a frail possibility, a false promise. And Kelsey's saying, a hope. And that talks to me. Preservation's like, okay, so what's our plan? He's like, I saw it. I have to head west. And like preservation is like, don't trust the stuff that you saw in there. It takes an infinite mind to even begin to glean information from the tendrils of the future. Even then, you're probably wrong. He's like, no, I have to. I saw the, the, this is that one chance in 14 billion or whatever. And it starts with me going west. And I like that preservation tells him that Sazed is not well. Ruin is trying to break him. Which I don't think we ever, we saw it from that perspective before, that Ruin was involved, really, in what was going on with Sazed. But... Apparently he is in some way, or maybe preservation just attributes all negative bad stuff to ruin. I don't know. Uh, that's sort of yeah. how I read it. It's like, no, like this. Says didn't have no spikes. No one around him, aside from Spook, had spikes. And if anything, Spook was giving him a little bit more hope the way he was talking. So, yeah, it's good. They... But, uh, yeah, it's just it's just ruins negative influence on the world and Sazed. If ruin was controlling the Coloss, then maybe yeah. He, I mean, they killed Tindwell, so maybe that's part. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. It was sort of more related to Tindwell's death and Ruin was responsible for that ultimately. So, Yeah, I guess. But I, I don't think that was Ruin's intent. I think that's just preservation reading into it, Woody. Yeah. <laughs> it was a happy accident breaking the minds and souls of <laughs> a whole bunch of people. I don't think Ruin recognizes the importance of Sazed at this point. But preservation almost certainly does since this was all part of his plan, uh, seemingly. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, he had a plan. Yeah. Can't remember what it was. There was a plan. Yeah, it was I'm sure it was a great plan. <laughs> oh man, it was it was the best plan. It, well, you guys we don't, don't even know. We saw the end of his plan. It was to, you know, for Vin to get the power and destroy Ruin and then the prophecies about the hero are fulfilled through Says. So in theory all of that was his plan. Yeah, I mean if you want to give him credit for that, sure. <laughs> Like, I don't, you've never met smart preservation, so who knows? Maybe uh, you just, like, don't want to give uh, yeah. what's left well, of him credit for a good idea. Yeah, obviously not that smart if he teams up with Ruin, but whatever. <laughs> well, maybe maybe when he dies, he pops back up in the in the cognitive realm next to Kelsier, and Kelsier's just like, oh, you're a bit more solid now. And he's like, yeah, I remember everything that was going to happen now, so here's what's going to go down. And Kelsier's like, oh, for God's sake, you couldn't have told me this earlier. No, nope, that would be helpful. <laughs> Finally. And Kelsier says he's going to go to those people, the Irie. And President says, they're not going to help you. He's like, I'm not going to ask for the help. I'm going to rob them. Because that's how Kelsier does stuff. Of course you are, Kelsier. So Kelsier just starts running. And like you guys said, this probably goes a little longer than it needs to. So we won't go into too much detail. But he he runs and he gets into some introspection. 
at one point it's like he wished for pewter, but it's like he doesn't really need it. It's like Jamie said, and like it says in here, he, he starts to get tired sometimes, but like the drifter taught him, it's only because he expects to be tired. He doesn't actually have a body anymore. Mm-hmm. And so he's hoping Vin will be able to hold out long enough for him to get back, basically. Comes across a city that he's been to before. He's like, wait, I know this place. Here he'd killed seven men here. Uh, he started counting them off, like, yeah, okay, well, the Lord, both of his sons, his wife. Yeah, seven. Counting the two guards and the cousin. That's right. <laughs> he and Mayor had been there renting a room, working on some sort of uh, con or something. And she's like, we had plans. How are you going to go and kill seven people? <laughs> now we have to leave. Every time, Kelsia. Every time. <laughs> we get a peek in him and Mare's relationship. She's <laughs> like, we planned a great con, and now you go around killing nobles. Jeez. <laughs> she's like, are you going to, you know, take vengeance on every noble? He's just like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what's the what's the Dark Knight line where he goes, yeah? I was yeah, like, he's like, uh, <laughs> you steal from us and walk away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Little gamble here. Won't be able to get a nickel for his grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Enough from the clown. Yeah. I don't blame him. I, I was, I was thinking there was, a, we, were, we were watching friends and there was this one episode last night. It was a case of, it was like Joey asked Chandler a question. I can't remember what it was. And Chandler just goes, the fact that you even asked that proves how little, you know, me. <laughs> how many pizzas do you want, Joey? You really have to ask. The Joey special. <laughs> Two pizzas. <laughs> uh, but yes, the the nobles sank a child into the canal with stones tied to her feet because she spilled their tea. I feel like that's really going a long way out of your way. Like you must be taking the spilled tea really personal if you're like, oh, I'm not just going to kill you. We're going to take you down to the canal and tie rocks to you and throw you in. Yeah, just it's a lot of effort. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, they beat their own children to make them powerful, so you never know what they're going to do to people that aren't even related to them. Point. True. But she, she's like, yes, I know, they're terrible people, but that's life. You can't bring, ret- are you going to bring retribution to every nobleman out there? And so now he's saying, yes, I did it. I made the ro- Lord Ruler himself pay. Yeah, he kind of did. But he starts to think about how all this killing just leads to more deaths and so on and so forth. After they left the village, the Inquisitors showed up and tortured a bunch of people they'd known, killing a lot of them in search for answers. So he realizes that, yeah, everything that he's doing uh, just kind of serves ruin. He gets that you are mine, survivor. Yeah. Apparently after Mare died, he came back here and got the stuff that they left behind so that he could uh, start up on his journey to become an uh, 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 geo expert alamancer. And he starts thinking, like, Mayor, man, if I died, if I'd let myself be pulled into another place, I'd be with her now, wouldn't I? He calls out to preservation. It's like, do you know where she is? Did you see her pass? But there's no reply. And then he finds a guy who apparently can hear him, kind of. And it's a crazy uh, gemmel sort of dude who's like, get out of my head. Damn, whispers, get out of my head. And he's like, can I use this guy? Gemmel muttered like that sometimes. I always thought he was crazy. But maybe... Maybe there were just dead people hanging around all the time trying to talk to him. That's not crazy at all. Come on, it was ruined. Don't be a fool. Well, he's, he's, he goes back to thinking about Mare and how she must have gone on. He's like, surely she couldn't have expected me to just give in. He's like, everyone else, even the Lord Ruler, like went willingly. Why am I so uh, determined to stay? 
I don't, I don't even know if he could go at this point. Maybe it's optional like for him. Like he could go whenever he wants, kind of like the Lord Ruler chose to move on. But I don't stuff. know. Preservation said that he's preserved. But I almost wonder now, like at the end of the third book, when Saze was given the power, if Saze could then use that power to send him on. Oh, to push him on, yeah. To unpreserve him. <laughs> to ruin him. Yeah. <laughs> and so the next chapter, Kelsier has been running for weeks. He stops every few weeks to catch his breath. He's like, today I'm going to figure out this puzzle. He finds the remains of an old cook fire that's been there forever. Uh, Ska family's used it for generations, he said. But now they're gone, and so he's like, he could give this fire something. Burn again, he told it. Be warm again. It couldn't happen in the physical realm, but all things there could manifest here. The fire wasn't actually alive, but to the people who once lived here, it had been almost that. And so suddenly, light bursts forward from his fingers and surprises him so much that he drops it. It's like, this looks just like that fire that Naz and Chris had carried with them. I didn't mention that, I guess, when we were back there. Like, they just kind of fold up the fire and walk off with it, which is how he starts trying to figure out how to do it. Don't put fire in your pocket. You'll burn it. <laughs> I like Kelsey still thinking, it says he'd made fire in the world of the dead. He still thinks of it as, like, the world of the dead. Yeah, even though he's been told repeatedly that's not what it is. He's like, world of the dead. <laughs> that's what once, I'm calling it, and I don't care. Yeah. Once I name a thing, it stays named. Fuzz, you're fuzz, okay? Well, also, he's he's freely admitted. It's like, look, my mind is broken, so whatever. Yeah, that's true. He's like, I've been crazy for a long time. Whenever anyone said I was crazy, I did not deny it. But he kind of, he, he figures out how to fold up the fire into like a little glowy ball of mist. And then just kind of tucks it away, uh, it, the soul of the cook fire into his pocket. Fairly certain it wouldn't burst to light unless he commanded it to. <laughs> God, he knows the name of fire. <laughs> Yeah, he keeps walking, sees lots of people, uh, not in great shape. During his months running, he'd come to understand, and even to a, to an extent, accept the cognitive realm. So maybe this is where he stops thinking about it, is the world of the dead. There was a certain freedom to being able to move unhindered through walls, to peek in at the people in their lives, but it was very lonely. Yeah, I can see that. Even the white-haired drifter would have been a welcome break from the wasteland of mists. And then the last chapter... Kelsier, the survivor of death, crests the last hill and sees the land of the ocean spread out before him. He's very different from the man who left Luthadel. He's picked up a bunch of stuff, uh, a walking stick that he got from a dead refugee and coaxed into life. Yeah, which he really doesn't need. <laughs> no, right. A frayed cloak that's kind of like a mist cloak and how frayed it is. Which, again, he doesn't need. A backpack so he can carry all the all his little balls of soul if it's in. That, I guess, could be useful, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, let's be serious here. He doesn't actually need it. <laughs> Make him like, feel better. Yeah. Have a few possessions. Yeah. Sure, sure. He's uh, in the cognitive realm, but still stuck in a material world, because he is a material guy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that he took the backpack from an abandoned store, since no one had ever carried it, the backpack considered its purpose to sit on a shelf and be admired. So far, it had still made it for a suitable companion. And so he digs through the backpack talk right now. Right. <laughs> he yeah, says, it's, a Will it's a real Wilson situation. <laughs> he is very lonely, so. Yeah, he's just like, Jan Sport! When he loses it, <laughs> he just keeps calling out Jan Sport, but uh, 
he can't get the bag back. But he starts digging through, counting off the balls of soul that are in his bag. He's like, oh, good. None of them vanished this time. But apparently when an object was recovered or destroyed in the physical realm, its identity changed, and there's a capital I there, changed, and the spirit would return to the location of its body. Abandoned objects were best, ones that had been owned for a long while, so they had a strong identity, but nobody in the physical realm to care for them. He unfolds his campfire, which is apparently starting to fray. He's guessing he's carried it too far from its origin. He even has a water skin in there. Which it's, he takes a drink out of, even though he doesn't need to drink. And even though the water immediately, like, returns to the water skin, he's like, it still feels good. On the throat and lips that he doesn't really have. Right. Yeah. Let's <laughs> him pretend he has them. Yeah, it lets him pretend to be alive. Don't we all want to pretend to be alive deep down? And so he's thinking about these people that he's going to have to reach. He needs what they have, but they won't give it to me. He, he didn't even know what they have. He he just knows that whatever they have, he needs it, and they won't be willing to give it up. So he's like, how am I going to con somebody if they might not even speak the same language as I do? And he calls out to preservation, but there's still no response. And that is when uh, a thing shows up. This is the figure wore robes and had bright flame red hair, a welcoming smile. But Kelsier could see spines beneath the surface of his skin prickling spider legs, thousands of them, pushing against the skin, causing it to pucker outward in erratic motions. Ruins puppets. Gross. Creepy yeah. image. That is so disturbing. I don't want to yeah. see a movie of that. You, you, oh, you got a little something coming. there. Yeah. <laughs> you got a little something. <laughs> you need, really need to, like, uh, do some, like, a pore strip. Yeah. <laughs> On your face, that might help with all the... Spiny things, yeah. You got a lot of blackheads coming out or something. I don't know. It's gross. I feel like that's something that Kelsia would say too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Off. yeah. Absolutely. But Ruin is very polite. He's like, "Hi, Kelsia. My colleague's unavailable, but I will convey your request if you wish it of me." He's acting as preservation secretary here. It's like, "I'm sorry, preservation's not here. Can I take a message?" Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, that preservation, you know how he is, always out and about. <laughs> Kelsier's like, stay back, you. And it's like, Kelsier, stay back. I'm all around. I'm in the air that you breathe, that you pretend to breathe, the ground beneath your feet. I'm in that knife and in your very soul. I kind of doubt he's in the knife because I think the knife came from some. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm inside you in a good way. <laughs> in, a, in not a creepy way. I promise. R- Ruin's always been one for that mistruthin. Yep. And Ruin's like, why do you resist, Kelsier? Like, oh, I don't know, maybe because you're an evil force of destruction and pain? And Ruin's like, that was uncalled for. <laughs> and as you know, my good friends the Borg would say resistance is futile. <laughs> Death is not evil. Death is necessary. Every clock must wind down. Every day must end. I represent change. He's like, so now you're going to end it. It's like, it was a gift that I gave. Life, wondrous, beautiful life. The joy of a new child, the pride of a parent, the satisfaction of a job well done. These are from me. But it's done now, Kelsier. The planet is an elderly man, having lived his life in full, now wheezing his last breaths. And Kelsier's uh, not not really interested in this. And he's like, I mean, who am I talking to here? The man who wouldn't even accept his own end, even though his soul longed for it and his wife longed for him to join her in the beyond. I don't anticipate that you will see the necess- the necessity of an ending. That's true. This is not the guy to preach to everything has to end, clearly. 
I just like this whole conversation with Ruin because we're getting some interesting perspective from him. All of it's probably BS, right? But uh, maybe he really sees himself this way. It's also interesting that like he took the time to chase Kelsey down and give him this speech, considering Kelsey's going the complete opposite direction to where everywhere Ruin's machinations are in, pro- in progress. Mm-hmm. Sure, there's a curiosity there from Ruin. What are you doing? Why are you going this way? <laughs> hey, buddy. Uh, <laughs> what have you got in your mouth? <laughs> but uh, but he tells Kelsier, he's like, hey, it's it's a shame that you're going to be leaving, that you're not going to be here when the end comes. I mean, I'm sure you'd like to greet the others when they die. Kelsier's like, well, this can't be that close. And Ruin says, it is, fortunately. But even if you could have done something to help, you're not going to be there. Oh, what a shame. Kelsier's like, uh-huh. Yeah, and so you came all the way out here to tell me that rather than remain quietly while I left and was distracted when everything ended. Right. Uh huh. So it's clear. And that this goes to your point that it's like ruin in Kelsey's mind, at least it's clear that ruin is trying to has come out here to try to trick him into staying because, or from which he can infer that by not staying, he might actually be able to accomplish something. And finally he takes off and ruins like, Running, Kelsier, you cannot flee your fate. You're tied to this world and to me. Those fools in the fortress won't be able to help you. I think this once this world reaches its end, I will pay them a visit. They've existed far too long past what is right. Okay, bye. Bold stance <laughs> to take for someone who's thousands of years old. Like they've existed far too long. Yeah. Bitch, you killed God. Yeah, I'm a shard. I could exist for as long as I like. I'm the exception to the rules here, clearly. Yeah. Like, if everything's got to end, why don't you just end? Go kill yourself and we'll deal. (laughs) And uh, Ruin makes a last-ditch effort here. It's like, I'll kill them while you're gone. I'm going to kill them all. Think about it, Kelsier. When you come back, there won't be anything left. Yeah. He takes a very Goku approach here in uh, Team FS. He's just like, yeah, cool. (laughs) But inside, he's like, it was lies. He knew that it had to be lies, but it hurt anyway. And that is the end of the section. Uh, so, predicaments, I guess. What do you guys think is going to happen from here? We have two parts and an epilogue left. Hmm. Okay. For me, I uh, I think that Kelsier's trip is going to be productive. I think he's going to meet some interesting folks. Even if they can't help immediately with the issue on the planet, we know how it turns out. So whether or not Kelsier has some kind of hand in the way the events turn out at the, in the hero of ages era, we know, you know, that it's going to turn out for good. So I'm not super concerned about that. I'm more interested to find out kind of what, what he will see when he gets there, who he will meet, what they will be working on, where they will be from. I'm assuming based on what Chris said, they're from another planet as well. So I'm more interested to get to that stuff. I do have a predicament based on the sexy drifter. I think my predicament for him is that he is actually trying to either become a shard or he's just trying to gain powers of different shards so that he is a powerful being and can do things that he wants to do. Whether those, whether he has some kind of altruistic stance or whether he's going to be in out for himself based on what we've seen so far of him i'm gonna guess he's gonna be on the out for himself side but uh yeah i think i think that's what he was trying to do that's why he took the alamancy power he wants to gather as many shard powers as possible for either 
And maybe he's going to do it to sell them. I don't know. But my guess is that he's going to use them himself. Oh, interesting. So we might see him pop up elsewhere if he's trying to gather stuff from different places. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I think that, yeah, this this next section, I think we're going to learn something very interesting, whether it'll help us, you know, in, in our current story, piece things together, or if it's going to come to play later in the Cosmere. I think there's a bit of time that passes between when preservation dies, like when we see the body fall from the, from the sky after Ellen t- talks to preservation, mm-hmm. and then before Vin actually takes up the mantle of preservation. I think Kelsey is going to have to be able to somewhat act in that space. So I think Kelsey and preservation, they're kind of sort of teaming up a little bit. And I think that Kelsey is going to have to be able to step in temporarily, not necessarily hold the power, but he's seen the power before Vin comes, comes in there. So I think that's probably what we're going to, see there because otherwise ruin would just have total rule over everything like there's there's no challenge there whereas everything didn't get destroyed immediately you know i know it'll happen pretty fast but yeah i think something's going to happen in there possibly with whatever we learn in the next section but Mm. possibly that it'll just be completely irrelevant to this story and it'll come to play later on yeah i think i think that's really all i've got i think we'll we will end the secret history story on what we know the ending to be. I think we're going to see, I mean, I think we've already decided that we're going to see that interaction with Spook, which will be good. It'll be good to see if, if Kelsia manages to interact with any other people. I think Kelsia will probably interact with Vin again when she, I guess, becomes preservation or in that time before she dies, but says isn't preservation yet. I think there's going to be there's going to have to be some sort of inter- final interaction between those two, somehow, possibly with Ellen as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's sort of all I've got at the moment. It would be nice if they got to like talk one last time, especially since Vin and Tensoon never did. So there's like this. Yeah. There. I hope. I also hope that that Kelsier and Mare maybe get to see each other again. Like oh, maybe yeah. that comes up in the story. That would be nice for them to actually end up back together. Yeah, I honestly, when I think after Kelsier dies and you find out there's an afterlife, I think the saddest part for me was that, like, we heard how much he missed Mare all during the first book. And then he dies and refuses to go on. And you get into this story and it's like, so he's he doesn't see her again. Maybe. Yeah. And he's realized what he done, what he's done as well. Like he could mm-hmm. he's like, oh, if I had have just gone, maybe we would have ended up together. But I, I couldn't do that, you know, and now we may never be together again. That's sad for him, which is yeah. understandable. So my prediction is um I'm uncertain about what the Irie is. Like in my head, I've sort of imagined them as kind of this I feel like they're probably like a cult or something dedicated to worshipping one of the other shards, maybe one who is a bit of a rival of either ruins or preservations or I'm tr- I'm trying to think like they they both preservation and ruins seem to be fairly I don't want to say completely antagonistic, but evidently just like not quite thrilled with that these people are out there and they seem to be beyond the ruin and preservation's power. So that makes me feel like they must be touched by the power of another shard and maybe they're setting up this sort of network of their own across across the Cosmere. 
like dedicated to like trying to undo all the other shards. I feel like, you know, one yeah, some other shard is out there and he's directing these people and he's trying to get them to undo the work of all the other shards or something. And yeah, so I, I, yeah, I just get the feeling like the Irie are this sort of cult like organization dedicated to this other shard and um, yeah. And preservation and ruin aren't entirely thrilled that they're out there. So don't quite know what we're going to find, but that would go a long way to explaining why uh, if Kelsier finds something there, he could get something that will allow him to turn the tide against ruin in some way that we haven't seen yet. So mm. I think that'll probably, probably be what he finds out there, but yeah, I don't know. It seems like he's going to cross all the way to cross all the oceans, to like possibly to the other end of the planet in order to get, in order to get there. So it's like, well, whatever he's got to do, he's got to, get it and then get all the way back and don't really have a lot of time to do that so i don't know maybe they got jetpacks as well <laughs> cognitive cognitive jetpacks nice so yeah we will see how that goes the only other prediction i had was a very silly one wherein kelsia makes it back to uh, makes it back to luthadel in time to see ten soon wearing his bones and just like yo what the fuck <laughs> those were for, those were for Sword, dude i wonder if he would be able to tell the difference between the conjuring he can't hear what people are saying so yeah, true. Maybe you're just gonna be like, or sir, what are you doing? Why are you walking around in my bones still? I guess, I, I guess it depends on how much he saw of um, Well of Ascension. Did he see that little revelation? Because I mean, uh, oh yeah, yeah. If it, I mean, if he's re- if he's riding where Ruin is looking, Ruin was looking at Zane quite a lot, so he probably he might have seen it. Right? Yeah, that's a good point. But I I just like how the revelations here open up so much for us because it's like, oh, there are fi- there are fourteen other like crazy god power people out there in the universe and any of them could be uh, interfering in any of this well it's like at most 14 but yeah uh from from what chris said some of them have already died so it's entirely possible there's only like i don't know seven left or something there's two and maybe <laughs> maybe that maybe that's what the maybe that's what the irie was doing he's trying to get them to like kill their shards so the power disperses and is ready to, for this other guy to just like waltz in and collect mm. like he said no no i didn't directly kill my opposite, <laughs> like a- a- any of the other shards what are you talking about uh we can see that you've got their powers under your belt there so look at that he closes his coat what, what are you doing with that preservation power there nothing what's that meme that's been going that, go, that goes around every so often it's like so uh what you got there and it's like shard holding all the other shard powers a smoothie <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay okay for next time, we're going to break the pattern that we've had a little bit. You're going to read all of part five, but only part of part six. We're going to do chapters one through four of part six. So that comes out to seven chapters again, because there are three chapters in part five, and then the first four of part six. So for anyone following along. And now, Very unsuspicious. Well, it's just that it was a long... Uh, part six is quite long. Oh, and by the way, I guess since we're talking about, we're reading all of part five, which is called Irie, and then a li- it's actually a little less than half of part six, which is called Hero. There you go. I knew it was coming. So, let us get into emails, because we have a bunch this time, even considering that I already read one in the middle of the episode. <laughs> well, that was Woo-hoo! a short one, though. Yeah. So, the first one is from Algwin, A-L-G-U-I-E-N. I know maybe you won't like this data, but I think the crew needs to know. Keep in mind that the whole Cosmere, much like Allomancy, has solid rules. I feel like I know this feels like a cheat. 
out of a beloved character's death. Oh, he's talking about – it says read this in Secret History Episode 1, by the way. So he's talking about Kelsier here. I know it might feel like a cheat out of a beloved character's death, but it makes sense within the rules. And yes, they never actually break the rules. The thing is figuring out what the, what the rules are. It's kind of like the puzzle in these books. You guys don't know much at this point, so it's harder. Keep that in mind when trying to piece everything together. And then it says, P.S. Joe, I know Data said there isn't much crossover, but actually there's a lot of it if you're searching for it. Maybe keep a list of names if you want to catch everything. Hey, Dak was doing that. And also, uh, the, the current plan for the Cosmere is to have a big crossover in Mistborn Era 4. That's true. I think Mistborn Era 4, like the space age of Mistborn, is supposed to um, cross over with other worlds a lot now that they're traveling. Makes sense. Yep, yep. Currently, I don't believe there's anyone in the Cosmere who has like faster-than-light technology, but they do use the cognitive realm to move between planets because well, it's formed by you know the thoughts of people and how they perceive stuff. So interstellar space is there's not much of people having perceived there. So those distances between planets are much smaller in the cognitive realm. So oh. space highway, got it. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Uh, okay, that was that was that email. The next one is from Lila. Or Leela. I, I forget if this is the person who said that their name is Leela. Uh, yeah, I think it might be. Congratulations on finishing Era 1. I'm a bit disappointed that Joe only rated the trilogy 6.5. When I first read it, Mistborn instantly became one of my favorite series. Until it was completely overshadowed by the Stormlight Archives. I can't wait till you guys get there. I think you'll have some great insights. Speaking of insights, I have a question for you. There are several things that you predicted accurately in this trilogy, either by random chance or by careful analysis of Brandon's foreshadowing. Do you think that being able to accurately predict events by examining the foreshadowing makes the book better or worse? Is this specifically for me or for all three of us? I think it's for all of you. So literary tropes or foreshadowing tropes, like you learn about these, at least I did. I learned about these these tools in school. So being able to identify things that are foreshadowed in books is kind of fun for me because I feel like I'm not an idiot and I learned it in school, so I'm now getting to put it to use in something that I actually enjoy doing, which is, you know, reading fantasy fiction, whatever. So I like being able to to figure stuff out before it happens. I don't feel like it makes the book worse. And it also helps me be creative in my brain while I'm reading. I think that's a big part of the enjoyment I get out of reading is thinking about, okay, what's going to happen? And then I like it when I'm wrong, too, because I know because then I feel like, well, what I came up with was cool, too, but this is way better. So, or sometimes it's not quite as good as what I was about I to say, or, like, or, or sometimes you're like, oh, this, my idea was way better than this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, I, I actually really like being able to do that. I don't think it makes the experience less enjoyable. And if I had sat down and read this trilogy, like, quickly, I, I might have given it a higher rating, but I had to, I, I gave my rating based on the amount of time I also spent thinking about the book. And so because I spent so much time and energy on it, I feel like what I got out of it wasn't quite as much as what I wanted. And um, you're, pro- you're probably more critical of it when you're putting that much thought into exactly. it. Exactly. And that's and that's my point. My rating is based on all of the factors, including how long I spent thinking about it. And so, of course, if you dissect something long enough, you're going to find more things wrong with it. So, so and, and like I said, me finding things to critique about it doesn't mean I didn't find it enjoyable. And just because you might think it's a 9 or a 10 and I think it's a 6.5 doesn't mean I didn't enjoy reading it. It just means that I found a lot more in the, in it that I didn't particularly like. And, and, of course, that's all based on opinion. 
yeah, I I love dissecting things and investigating things. And so I think the way that we sort of approach this book really works for me. I do love just being sort of in the story, but I think there would have been a lot of stuff that I'd missed. And I, I actually think I got probably more enjoyment out of doing it this way because it really forced me to think about it rather than just being swept up in the story and you, and you miss things. So I don't know if that really answers the question very much, but I think, yeah, I like I, I think the way that we, we do it and just being able to have that more time, like I actually think I probably got more out of it by having more time to think about it than I would have if I just read it straight off. This is also for my first like fantasy series um, really that I've read. I, I normally read sort of crime fiction more than anything. So for me, this was, this was a whole new world on, on a couple of different levels. So I kind of, I've got no other sort of fantasy books to really compare it to either. When you're reading, when you're reading like crime fiction, do you try to, you know, are you trying to figure out who is murdering people? And so you're examining like the foreshadowing stuff also. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I don't use it, but my degree is in forensic science as well. So I, yeah, guess what I like to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I do find that I get really, I get really caught up in, in facts and things making sense logically. Like I don't like things being just all of a sudden there, like it has to make sense to me. Um, and I think that's something that like Brandon's done really well is that he's got a reason for putting things in place and he's got to, like, he's obviously thought this out a lot more on a bigger scale than, than just Miss Bourne era one, but it all ties in, which I think is something that I really like and respect. And yeah, that just, that really works for me. Just picking up on, on subtle hints and piece of foreshadowing throughout the book and just really being able to give it that time and energy to really think about, think about everything. Like I, I love that, but that just works for me. Hmm. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, like, like I've said before, it's a weird way to read a book. Like, ordinarily, yeah. like, you sit you sit me down with a book and, like, I will take any available moment to just burn through it, especially when it is one that I do enjoy reading, like I have done with these ones. I'm just like, I need to get to the next page. Just go, 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 go. So, like, normally I don't, like, there'll be times where I'll, I'll pick up on something and I'll say, all right, yeah, that's going to come into play later. But I think, like Joe was saying, like, because we spend so much time stopping and thinking about it, we have more of an opportunity to think about these things. And yeah, the payoff is cool when those things turn out to be accurate or not. But for the most part, it's like something that doesn't really enter into it as much when, if you just burn through it quickly, like most people do. So I don't know, like there's, there's merits to both ways of doing it. Mm, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm seeing the difference uh, with us doing the show. And then I'm now like 75% of the way through book eight on the, the wheel of time. So it's like, man, I'm going through these really fast. I'm probably missing lots of cool little details and foreshadowing and stuff. Well, that's the other things, like, because I'm reading those at the moment as well. And like, I I started before you, and I'm and you've already like gone way ahead of me just because I I'm that that that's also a case of like this, maybe it's just not grabbing me as much, but it's like I'm finding it harder to burn through that quickly mm. um, than if I'd sat down and read Mistborn's like start to finish. Just yeah, because of the different natures in narrative and various things. I won't go too much into it, but yeah, that just comes down to a difference in writing style, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, and one of the complaints that we've heard from other people about Wheel of Time is like that there's bits where it gets really slow. And it was like, the first Mistborn book does not feel uh, like you're waiting for stuff to happen a lot. Because you're like, oh, this is all new and lots of stuff is happening. And by the time you get used to it, other weird stuff is happening. Book two maybe felt a little bit that way, where it got a little slow. 
but uh, I don't think the other two did much of that. It's also a case of, you know, things are ha- like, yeah, it's moving really fast, but it's also things that are important are happening. Whereas mm-hmm. book one of the wheel of time, plenty of shit happened. But I'm just like, this book is just one long chase scene. It's true. I hadn't thought about it that way, but yeah, there's lots of running. Yeah. And and then there's like three different parties of people all running and you're jumping back and forth between them. And it's like, OK. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'll go on with with her email here. So uh, she says, personally, I don't like I don't really like stories that pull off big twists at the end and have not sufficiently foreshadowed it early in the story. It feels like a do sex machina and like lazy writing. I think Brandon's masterful interweaving of plot throughout a series is one of his greatest strengths as a writer. And apparently he said uh, in response to a question somewhere that the ending of book five, I think she must be referring to the Stormlight books here, is mentioned somewhere in the first book. So that that is the thing that he said. I forget exactly uh, how, how it was phrased, but it's like in the first chapter, the first section, there's like the ending is or no, maybe it's just in the first book somewhere. It's like it tells you basically what the ending of the series is going to be. See, stuff like that, I'm just like, you know, that that's that's cool and all, but is that really something that you, you know, when you get to the end of book five, is that is it like that's something you just go, oh my god, yes, I remember that from book one, or is that a case of you read and you just go, oh, that was kind of cool, and then you go back and read book one and realize, oh shit, there it is. Yeah, it's, like, it's probably a reread so, thing. Yeah, it's like, what, what are the foreshadowing and all those little tools are designed to be picked up on one read, and what are designed to be picked up on a reread? Well, that's exactly the same as with the Mistborn books, where I and showed you guys like the very first like the second paragraph of the first book is like the future of the world on my arms which is foreshadowing who had but there's no way yeah. at that point that you could possibly know that yeah she, she ends with can't wait to hear your experience with secret history wasn't to the time of next leela thank you uh we got another quick email from sasha she says do you take suggestions for episode summaries because i have a few so this is for Secret History. Part one, Kelsier punches God. Also, like, some other stuff happens, I guess. But Kelsier punches God. Part two, <laughs> Kelsier spends over a year stuck indoors, viewing his friends remotely, but unable to act interact in person with anyone. Not something readers in 2021 can relate to at all. Part three, Chrysala explains it all. I don't, she may have just called herself Chris. I don't remember, but Chrysala is her full name. Uh, part four. Yeah, no, we, we, did, we didn't get a surname. Yeah, okay. No. I don't know if she has, I don't remember if she has the last name, but yeah, Chris Sala, it's like K-R-I-S-S-A-L-A is her whole first name. Part four, she calls Ghost Road Trip. And then I won't read the part fives and six, but I like We'll get that. So those are fun episode summaries I should have used uh, yeah. today. That's well, when they, they serialize, when they serialize Secret History into a TV show, that those can be the titles they use for each of the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Kelsey or Punch is God. I'd, I'd watch that episode, yeah. Uh, next one is from Sean. It says, hello all. Writing in to say that I appreciate everyone's willingness to be critical of the books and honestly and honest about what they do and do not like. Too often discussions about Sanderson are either these are the best books ever or this is popular appeal garbage and bad at even being that. That's kind of true. There's – I follow uh, our books on Reddit and it seems like every week there's uh, there's a topic that's like, oh my gosh, I discovered Brandon Sanderson and he's so amazing. And then there's also a topic that's like, yeah, I finally read Brandon Sanderson and this sucks. I don't understand why anyone likes it. And it's like there's are always like hundreds of people who agree with both of those perspectives. And the thre- the topics always end up being exactly the same, uh, whichever way it goes. So yeah. So the in- so what you what you're saying is the Internet is polarizing. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> there's a push and a pull, just like yep. he planned it. 
Yep. Yep. All part of the plan. He says, I think the Cosmere is a bit like a much more cohesive version of the MCU. I don't know if that's fair, more cohesive, but okay. I don't expect a book to tell me anything profound about life or humanity, but know that I'll be entertained and something cool will happen. Some stories are better than others and appeal to different people. I like hearing those different opinions from Jamie, Joe, and Dak. Thank you for the podcast and the time you put into it. And then there's a spoiler part I can't read. So thanks, Sean. Anytime someone compares something to the MCU, I'm just like, cool, when do we get to the Thor Ragnarok bit? <laughs> uh, that's Miss Born Era 2. Sick! Yeah? I don't know, it depends on what part of Thor Ragnarok you're talking about. but uh, He's talking about the part where the guy comes out and he's like, the revolution has begun! Yeah, okay, so if, if you're talking about when, when the ridiculous comic relief shows up and he's like, piss off, ghost! Yeah, that, that that's Miss Born Era 2. Oh, sick. <laughs> we just need Taika Waititi to direct the movie when it happens oh my gosh taika could so play never mind we'll, we'll, we'll get there <laughs> anyway um so we got one from Caden, who says hi again just listen because uh, they sent an email previously just listen to the episode where you guys read my email it's a strange feeling thanks for the nice comments trust on joe i hope it was joe i keep confusing joe and dak and I, if i'm wrong i'm sorry to make it dirty oh yeah i remember this now uh-huh <laughs> Uh, did I make it dirty? I, I don't you, remember. You, yeah, yeah, no, you I did. I don't remember this at all. It was, it, it did was... we talk about thick books or? <laughs> <laughs> no, gotta be no. Chrysal is Space Norton, right? Isn't that what I said? Kinda, yeah. Anyway, um, moving on. He says, "Good to hear you're reading through Wheel of Time. If you can't tell by my pseudo name, oh, because the name he signs with is Caden Althor, which is the main character's oh, yeah. name in time or last name rather." I'm a Wheel of Time fan. You are approaching the slog, so please don't get disheartened and put it down. I would suggest reading the audiobooks as they're easier to continue listening to when a section is boring. Uh, like I said, I can't do audiobooks, or I might. He says, I might have a problem. After I sent you the email, in two weeks, I have finished the three Lightbringer series books. Because like, he said that uh, he was looking for a new series and Lightbringer might be a good candidate. It's awesome, but I think I should take a break. Anyway, continue the good work. Data, you're great at misdirection. I pity your close friends and family if you're this good at lying to their faces. Still a fan, Kate. <laughs> it's funny because we play sometimes like those social uh, deduction games where somebody's like the traitor or whatever. And I can't I, I can't decide if I'm good or really bad at the lying, but it's like apparently I always play the same way, whether I'm the traitor or the innocent person. And you think that would be good. You want to be exactly the same, whichever one you are, because you're trying to not reveal anything but the way that i play is apparently suspicious because regardless of whether i'm innocent or guilty i'm always like the first person they vote out as potentially <laughs> the bad guy so <laughs> i don't know what it that sounds more like your friends just don't want to play with you yeah that might that <laughs> might be nobody likes me I, I get that a lot it's fine uh <laughs> last hey man right th right there with you don't worry last email uh, from ben Hi, crew. Congratulations Word. on finishing Mistborn Era 1. I know Joe gets a lot of flack for his controversial opinions, but I thought his assessment of the series was accurate. Overall, Era 1 is enjoyable and fun, but not as fine-tuned as some of his later works. In my opinion, Era 1 and Elantris are like baby steps before he starts to hit his stride. I want to ask a few questions to the crew now that Era 1 is finished. Who had, do you think had the best character growth and why? Is the first one. Shit, Ooh. big question there. Um, I think Vin had the best character development. And I think that yeah. makes complete sense because she is pretty much the protagonist. Yeah. 
I'm kind of yeah. Torn. I would agree I, with you. Um, yeah, I mean, she's she's our lead character, so it makes sense that she has sort of the most the most growing to do. I think Sazed went through like a particularly interesting journey, but in terms of where he started to where he ended, I don't know that that was as big a growth journey, I guess, as Vin. Yeah, and I also and like I said this, I said this several times throughout the series. Like Vin is the Harry Potter of the book. Like she's the outsider that is taken into this world and then it's only pretty late in the series that she's finally comfortable in the world that she's in. Yeah. Vin Vin probably is the top, but then like especially towards in the third book, I think, oh Says is giving us some serious competition there, so mm. but I, I guess it's easier to say Vin because I think she's the only character whose perspective we see in across all three books. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I think I, th- I think uh, I agree. no, we we see a bit of Ellen, but not nearly as much in the first we get, book. We get a very small bit of Ellen perspective in the first book. That's true. I think I agree that Vin probably has the most development, but I think Ellen has like maybe the most unexpected, but like second only to Vin in the amount, like how much he changes from the beginning to the end. Yeah, I would agree. And the thing is, you don't necessarily expect like when you read him in book one, you don't expect him to have this big character arc where he changes that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think at book one, before the end, we, a lot of us were still thinking, well, he may be actually a bad guy. And right, yeah. It wasn't until, like, the Sanderlanch began and he goes to save Vin that we were like, oh, no, this guy's a solid dude. He's just oblivious. He's just dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's just an idiot. <laughs> in, in, in a lot of ways, yes. Uh, okay, question two is, who do you feel is the best supporting character? That's, I feel like that's a more difficult question, but at the same time, it's not. I think Sazed is the best supporting character mm. in the book, in the book series. Ellen is also very good, but I think I think Sazed is number one. Yeah, I guess Sazed across the whole series, but I did love Tensoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I, I, yeah, I'd say. Well, it's it's it sort of depends on your definition of supporting character, because most right. people say, oh, it's just like anyone who's not the main character. Which you know encompasses um, Sazed and Ten Soon, which yep, both great characters. I'd I'd say probably my favorite supporting character who doesn't really go through an arc as such, because the textbook definition of the supporting character is someone who enters and leaves it at roughly the same point as they did. And I'd say Breeze, honestly. Mm. I I I I think I really hated him when he first showed up, but I've gotten so attached to that tweet. <laughs> um, he was he, he was he was like Jack Sparrow with the first parts of the Caribbean, the first you know the the good trilogy. Yeah, right. Actually, I won't even say that because I hate <laughs> no, I hate the I hate the, the first, third movie, but the first movie is <laughs> the good one. I hate yeah. the second yeah. movie. Second I thought the second one had a bad rap, but whatever. All right, let's look at the just the first movie then. Jack Sparrow entered the movie and left it. He hadn't changed at all. He was still the same dude. Yeah, yeah. like he was a textbook supporting character. So like in He's that in breeze. that sense, yep. yeah, I'd, I'd I'd say Breeze. I think he was just a lot of fun. He always added a lot of color to the proceedings, and he was still interesting enough that just like you. You want to know more? Yeah. And I think that's you, your point is a good one because it's like at w- what what is the level where we stop being like a main character and become a supporting character? Because you got like Ellen and Vin and maybe Kelsier, even though he's only in the first book, really, uh, that you could call like main characters. And I think Sazed in the amount of screen time and like perspectives and stuff we get of him is kind of right behind them. Like, he, I feel like he's riding yeah. the border between like main character and maybe supporting character. Yeah. So... The first book was really the only one where he didn't have his own story. Yeah. So. 
And so really, I'd, yeah, if, if, if you're having to go lower than that and find a supporting character, I might even say Demu goes through a lot of change, actually. But he's I, I really like his supporting character. And uh, if you want an even more minor one, I liked Gordell. Gordell's a cool guy. Gordell was cool. Yeah. Or Norton. Got killed. Norton, yeah. the smiling obligator. Yeah, Norton's good. I, I think I like Space Norton more, especially since she's got a gun. <laughs> well, you love sexy drifters, so. Yeah, I mean, he's sexy. What's not to love about him? We can't forget no. about Meow Meow, guys, as well. Hey, yeah, Meow Meow. Yeah. Meow Meow. The yeah. best of all characters. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about growth, but uh, <laughs> he certainly gave actually, us a lot of entertainment. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you who I, di- who I did forget, like, and that's my lucky charm, Marsh. It's like all, I think all the predictions oh, yeah. I've gotten right is like revolve around him in some way. Like I called twice that he's coming back, and so third time's a charm. I reckon he's still coming back. So yeah, and I thought his like his journey was like something completely separate to everyone else's, and like yep. no one went through what he went through. So I thought he was fascinating yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, and the king in the Kingdom Hearts journey, Marsh is in the is in the dark realm for sure. Marsh is Riku. Marsh is Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or, uh, even, or even worse, he's like stuck in the shadow realm, like in Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> he's god. Bakura. Oh god, he totally is Bakura. <laughs> yeah, because like for a while he's stuck in there, and Dark Bakura is in control. Yeah, it all makes sense. Yeah. Uh, okay. The the third one is who do you feel of the various villains was the best villain? You know, I still have a real love hate thing for Straff Venture. Mm-hmm. I really. I loved to hate Strathventure. It was pre- <laughs> he was a fun guy to hate because he was just despicable in almost every way, and I felt like um, his death was pretty satisfying. So I, I think I really, um, I think him and then the Lord Ruler is probably my second. But uh, but yeah, Strathventure. Strath may guy. have been the most like developed villain. Either him or Vane. Mm-hmm. Pro- Vane. Zane probably got <laughs> the most development. Yeah. Yeah, we got a we've got a lot of time with Zane which I think there was a lot of kind of backward forward, backward forward with what was going on with him before we really settled on that. He was like, yeah, you're bad <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I think I, I got a lot of entertainment out of him. I think we tried to get more mileage out of the Lord ruler and, and almost like almost tried to redeem him a bit in the end, yep, which they really tried. I was kind of like, Ugh, no, you're still an asshole. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, but yeah, I guess it's uh, like yeah, I would probably go Zane. I think. Okay. Yeah, I think the thing that I like about the Lord Ruler and why he I'd place him in in second place for me is because I like when the villains kind of hinted at throughout a book, and then you don't really he doesn't really appear in person until the end or near the end. So it's Got it. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's just like you know, it's a lot of build up to who this person is. And then it's interesting because he's gone so quickly, but then, you know, his backstory comes out later. So yeah. I think that's why I found him to be probably second most interesting. Mm. I, I know very little about Final Fantasy, but you're basically describing Sephiroth, aren't you? Like, he didn't show up until, like, ages, and he was hinted at the whole way well, through. Well, <laughs> Dak, that really depends on uh, which version you're playing. Oh, uh, that's true. Uh, <laughs> but, like I said, uh, I know very little, so... Well, you you get you get Sephir- there's the three discs in the original game and Sephiroth's in the first disc. So you 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 find out you hear his name probably about like a fifth of the way through the game. Okay. And you get pop-ups and flashbacks and mentions yeah. and stuff a lot. But right. then if you go and play the remake, uh, it's just like, oh, it's, at the uh, end of the game he's he's the big boss fight for no reason. Yeah. 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 And also like 
20 minutes in or no i guess it's 30 minutes like 30 to 40 minutes in you get like a a weird vision where he he's there and he's talking to the main character and you're kind of like what this doesn't happen it's really frustrating anyway anyway i love uh, it i love final fantasy 7 remake though it's good go play it <laughs> it's if good. you have it. It, it is good i would i would say uh my favorite villain uh well car obviously oh yeah uh, yeah car oh i forgot about him um <laughs> well it's like I, I would say maybe not villain but favorite antagonist again marsh because we had such a personal connection to him over the mm, books we yeah. and we saw his journey so that was really cool mm, yeah i i think actual villain i'd say probably lord ruler i think rashek i i yeah i also like the villain who's like yeah you are given hints of just how powerful and devastating this guy is but you don't see him, so your head's building up that sort of terror. It's like, what is this guy actually like? And then he first comes out and shows those aren't just rumors for the sake of it. He actually is that powerful and more, and like that just makes him even more terrifying. And then on the flip side, it's like I I, I kind of enjoy characters who do like you know they're so mysterious in life, and then they've long since died, and then and then later on you find out more and more about them, and you sort of see their not, their, not necessarily character development, but you get insight into them later on after they've died. So the third book doing that, I think it did try and lean too far on, he's not actually a bad guy. And it's like, no, no, he is. He is. Like, <laughs> let's, let's, let's not go nuts here. But it still was interesting yep. seeing inside his head and seeing why he was doing what he was doing. It's like, so you can appreciate some of the things that he did while still hating, like, the extent to which he did it. So I did like that side of things. Straff was, Straff was a fun villain. He was a bit Dr. claw for me, or, um, it's like he's he's, he's uh, or not even Doctor Claw, who is uh, one of the more incompetent like Saturday morning cartoon villains, who's just like sort of cursing the. You're just like, how are you still in control at this stage? Uh, I'd have to say uh, maybe that Megatron. Yeah, or maybe the, Megatron, or the Duck well, Ma- Witch from Ducktales. Oh, oh Magic of Dispel. Ma- yeah, I, I guess Megatron fits because like. Like Straff had his very own Starscream under him with Zane, so he did. That's true. Also, Zane not nearly as fun as Starscream. Sorry, I still hate <laughs> that guy. I love Starscream. Yeah, Zane's the worst. Is that, yeah, the it's other- like Zane's an interesting villain. Still hate the fuck out of the guy. It's like, oh god, go <laughs> away. Yeah, there's nothing redeeming about him. Like he's he was just bad, but I just thought he was really interesting. I feel like yeah. the Lord Ruler. I I really liked you know book one Lord Ruler. And then, yeah, learning more about about him and stuff. Like, I agree where you guys are coming from, that, that he's this mysterious, terrifying presence. But then sort of having all of that, I guess, unraveled in the third book, I was like, oh, okay, look, that's really interesting. I can see why that happened. Uh, you know, so I just the... – it's it's taken that, that terror out of it. And I guess that's if fair. you were, if you were you know, in world and you didn't know all of that, then that is still terrifying and, you know, he's still the sliver of infinity and, like, that's – yeah, he was he was a terrifying person. But knowing what we know now, I guess it kind of took a bit of the magic out of it for me. That's fair. See, I like the Lord Ruler a lot in the first book, I agree. And what does it for me is actually that section of secret history where he shows up and he's still, even in death, just like completely full of himself and does not give a shit what anyone else thinks. That was and pretty yeah. cool, yeah. He's like, I'm not staying here with you idiots. I'm out. And yeah, he's yeah, like, I'd rather life. die than be here with you. But you already I've died. I've done my part, guys. You figured this out. <laughs> I love, I love that Lord Ruler. And, all, and I'm, I'm gonna say, like, uh, shout out to Yeoman, who 
was I think the first time we've we've had a, somebody start out as an antagonist who actually turned out to be reasonable, and we were yeah. like, oh, he's he's like he's a, a, a zealot or whatever, and that's going to be really interesting. And then he was, but it it didn't override his ability to be reasonable about stuff. Well, yeah. I agree with you to the extent that I can, but I feel like he was given so much evidence uh, yeah, that okay. what he believed was not reasonable, yeah. and it took an insane amount of like like seeing before his eyes what was happening before he came around. So he well, and st- even I, then, I, he's I, like, "This is still part of the Lord Ruler's right. plan." So I feel yeah. like the dude is totally still a zealot and. If if things hadn't played out the way they had and it been so obvious right in front of his face, he probably would have held to his uh, convictions. Yeah. Also, uh, what, we, what speaking, we've learned from this conversation is Quellian is no one's favorite. No, correct. Yeah, no, <laughs> not at all. Uh, uh, if you're just a puppet for Ruin, I mean, can you really be that interesting? Actually, actually, Ruin was no one's favorite. No, Ruin was no one's favorite either. He's just so. I don't know. He's kind of one note. Yes. It's like, yeah. I'm bad. I'm also pompous. I'm also, I'm also just going to lie to your face so much so that you are you're going to see through it. Like, I like, it's just not yeah. that interesting. Well, and know? I think part of it is what, uh, what Chris tells us in this section where it's like, there was a personality in there at this point. It may just be like riding the power, not even in control anymore because it's right. like it had this power for so long. So if it was yeah. earlier on when it when the actual personality still had more influence, it might be much more interesting antagonist. I will say I right. found I, I personally found Ruin more interesting than Straff, if for no other reason. It's like Straff needed people in order to actually be a villain. Like he was a, yeah. he was a villain on the back of everyone listening to him and obeying him, whatnot. Ru, like Rashek and and Ruin, they didn't need that. They had the power on their own, so they were actually a threat in their own right. It's true. Yeah. So I guess I guess that was just more like Ruin was more frightening as a villain than Strap was because Strap was like, oh, man, you're just you're you're a buffoon who happens to have an army. <laughs> Random side note: Beast Wars Megatron is the best Megatron. Oh yeah, is, uh, of course he is. Way smarter. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Beast Wars Optimus Prime or Optimus Primal is my favorite Optimus Prime. I like original Optimus Prime. Apparently, they're both going to be in the next Transformers movie. So interesting. Because yeah. that's a franchise that's still happening. Yeah. Apparently. Anyway, Why? the last and they make money. The last yeah. question from Ben is: Does anyone have any uh, any casting ideas that jump out to you for a live action adaptation at this point? Now that we've gotten through them. Oh, oh. I, I really couldn't go through an entire cast. Uh, so well, no, just... I figured if you had one or two that were like sticking. Yeah, out. I'll just pick one. I think I think Nathan Fillion's a little too old to be Kelsier, so I'm not going to pick him. Although I think so he's Lord Ruler. Great. No, uh, I think it would have been great. I think it would have been great like 10, 15 years ago for it. But uh, now I think he's a little too old for it. What about Super as voice of Tensoon? As voice of Tensoon? <laughs> no, I think as voice of Tensoon, I want the dude who's playing Red 13 in the remake. Uh, I think he's really good and we know he can do a talking dog. So works for me. I think for uh, for Kelsier, I'd want. Oh, man, that's tough. I don't even know. I really don't because so many actors are coming up now that I'm not paying attention to because I'm getting older and so I'm stuck with my with my faves. But they're all a little too old now to play. I feel like to play these parts. So and I couldn't. Um, and this is a discredit to me, not to the actors and actresses. But I couldn't even tell you 
of a younger female actor actress that I think would be good for Vin. I, I really can't think of one just mm. because I'm unaware, not because they're not good actresses out there. Sure. I mean, I, I, this, they are still reasonably old. Uh, like, like they're not obviously not old, like old, old people, like in their fifties and sixties, but I mean, Kelsio is at least old enough to have to, you know, he and Mare are thinking like, yeah, we could have a daughter and be about Vin's age. So it's like, all right, so Kelsey has got to be, you know, late thirties. At, at the earliest so it depends on how young scar tend to have kids i don't know yeah i mean i don't know I, f- I feel like clive owen would be a hell of a preservation that might be a bit old but i just love clive owen and i think you know he's mm. sort of got the descript the physical description down yeah. pat well and preservation and, can be older i feel yeah, like yeah and uh, what else was there so the the terrorist men are all like they've they've all, they've all got darker skin yeah not all of them, but uh, he. it's mentioned that, yes, that is something that people associate with them sometimes. But I think it's yeah. specifically mentioned they come in all shades, but people okay. have a, this idea that they tend to be darker. Just, I mean, because for no other reason than he's awesome, like, it, I guess it probably doesn't work for Rashek because no one knew he was terrorist, and that was kind of the point. But, like, if they went for it with, uh, like, Rashek was a dark-skinned terrorist, Idris Elba right there. Oh, uh, I could totally see that. I could I could actually see him doing ruin, except that he looks nothing like the description of ruin. <laughs> yeah. Right now uh, the picture of Idris Elba with red hair, it doesn't look good. No, no. yeah, that's no, we've been through this before with the cats movie. <laughs> oh no. Oh, no, no. I forgot Elba about the cats movie. Was playing McCavity, who's supposed to be a ginger cat. Maybe this is just a thing now. Yeah. Maybe it's, it's like, oh, thing. we can just substitute. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Uh, only oh, Idris Elba, though. He's the only one who can substitute for any Elba, yeah. <laughs> there, there, there is this running theory that Hollywood is replacing traditionally redheaded people with um with black actors. Like you got Zendaya playing Mary Jane in the Spider-Man oh, sure. movies. Mary Jane's traditionally redhead. Um, apparently the new live-action Little Mermaid is oh, going to have a, bla- a black yeah. girl playing it, even though Ariel's a redhead. So it's like it's just a, a kind of this weird trend that keeps popping up. Everyone's like, are they are they trying to erase redheaded people? It's like maybe that's that's what cats was, just another <laughs> part of the same trend. Oh no. If we were not going with the trend, you could maybe, I don't know, pull Rupert Grint out of retirement and make him ruin or something. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that would work. Rupert Grint. He's gonna he's gonna step out of his ice cream truck and go yeah. back <laughs> and play yeah. as a... Rupert Why Grint's not? destroyer of worlds. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. I still say Brendan Gleeson for clubs. Yeah, no, that fits. I agree. Yeah, you could it's probably hard for put me to picture like, anything else now. Yeah. Yeah, I think we we never we never disputed that one once once we had that image we were like yep that's done. And if, um, if not yeah. Brendan Gleeson, Ray Winston. Mm. This probably isn't a good choice, but I just want to see it. I want to I want a, a Matthew McConaughey ham who <laughs> philosophizes <laughs> and right, says all right all right all right. All right. <laughs> no, I could sort of, I could sort of see that. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you could maybe put Millie Bobby Brown in as Vin. Yeah, that might work. Oh, that could, mm. that could be good. Yeah. During during uh, Game of Thrones, a lot of people were saying the the girl who played Arya on the show. They were oh, should her. be Vin. Oh yeah. I think she is also getting a little for that at this point, but maybe. Yeah, she's short enough. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I won't. Okay, so Ben says one more thing. PSPS for data, the crew leader. What are your rankings of the Cosmere books? Which is your favorite? So we'll go through all that now because there's there's several of them, and we're as we finish them, we may start doing some rankings on the show. But my favorite has always been the Final Empire because it was the first one, and it is just one of my favorite books in general. 
I, I don't like I said, I don't even think it's necessarily the best thing he's done because I said that I think the short story, The Emperor's Soul, or actually it's a novella, The Emperor's Soul is probably the single best thing that he's done. But uh, I, it's the Final Empire is still my favorite. Okay, thank you, everyone who sent us emails. And it's been a couple weeks since we recorded, which is why we had a bunch this time. But if anyone else would like to send us emails, the email address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook and Podbean and Instagram and all the sorts of places uh, that people do things on the interwebs. Remember, for next time, we are doing part five and then the first four chapters of part six. For anyone following along, those are what we're going through. And that leaves one episode where we'll do the rest of part six, the epilogue, and then that very short short that I was talking about that we're going to do maybe as like a little play on here. So, but parts five and the first part of part six for next time, everybody. Anything else? Oh, uh, music by Miracle of Sound. Ah, I was about to say it. Ah, me too. <laughs> I was sort of hoping we would all three of us just be like, music by Miracle of Sound. Music by Miracle of Sound. <laughs> and wasing to the time of next day. And whenever there is up